the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. And it's only fitting that football has returned because the Royals have the ball down eight, needing a touchdown and two-point conversion, and it's fourth and 18 to keep the drive alive. After Detroit hands KC its third straight home loss, seven to six. It's Davo. Glad you're along for another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation as we commiserate together as Royals fanatics and talk about this one, talk about the homestand, talk about where KC is at, look at the next couple of games, all that and more. But what you need to know and what you already obviously know is that KC's playoff hopes have become pretty close to shattered after three straight one-run losses at home. You can't drop three straight one-run games to home against teams ahead of you in the wildcard standings when you've got all these teams to jump, right? The Yankees sit a half game ahead of the Royals now. They were lost, you know, lost tonight, but did take two out of three from the Royals. The Tigers, who the Royals lost to tonight after blowing it in the ninth, are now four ahead. Baltimore, a big win. They're four ahead of the Royals as well. It's not looking good. Two behind Houston now, who luckily lost to the Rangers tonight after Doug Fister got lit up. But, I mean, you look at all those teams. The Mariners are about to tie the Royals. I mean, you've got all these teams right around you. You're four behind Detroit and Baltimore. There's two teams. You're two behind Houston. There's three teams. Half game behind New York. There's four teams. Tied with Seattle, five teams. You're battling with five teams for a second wild card. And you're four back now. With 28 to go. By my estimation and my math, the Royals now at 69 and 65 need to go 21 and 7 if they want to be 100% in making the playoffs. I'm saying if you want to 100% know you're going to make it, it's going to take 90 wins for that second wild card. You have to go 21 and 7. Now, 20 and 8 gives you probably a 75% chance of making it at 89 wins. I do think it's probably going to take 89 wins, though. So the Royals have to go 20 and 8 minimum to get there. And it's just not adding up right now when you look at where the Royals are after losing three straight home games when you either tied or had a lead in the ninth inning in all three of the games. And you have to look mainly at the offense as the main culprit of the issues. We'll talk on that, you know, touch on it here in a little bit. But our player of the game, speaking of offense, is Paulo Orlando, who goes two for five with two RBIs and a run tonight. And of course, the RBIs were big ones. They came with two outs in the eighth off a of K Rod. A line shot by Paulo to right field. This game was so eerily similar to a couple of nights ago against the Yankees, wasn't it? Where Paulo came up and smoked the ball and almost won a game for the Royals in the ninth. Almost the exact same place in the field. He does the exact same thing tonight, getting in a couple of runs for the Royals. But it wouldn't last because Wade Davis, who was activated and brought up from Omaha before the game as the rosters expand... Gives up two runs on two hits. That's when you know it's almost not your year and Wade Davis comes right back and blows a save after you've come from behind real big and finally gotten a lead. That's his first loss of the season, his third blown save. But again, like I said, the story of the night overall was the ineptitude of the Royals offense. And it's, like I said, you you had the Paul Orlando, the ball actually got through tonight versus a couple nights ago. But we had another situation tonight in that seventh inning that was almost identical to the other night as well. Let's go back to that seventh inning. Paulo Orlando, Chesler Cuthbert, Eric Hosmer, they all single in a row to get in a run and begin that inning against Justin Wilson, who had replaced Alex Wilson. Lots of Wilsons out there in the Tigers' bullpen. So you're down one now, and you've got first and third with nobody out. 
Tigers bring it in Shane Green. The bullpen door swings open. Shane Green's coming in. You're down one. You've got first and third. You're like, okay, this is we're, we're putting this game away right here. We got Kendrys Morales coming up. Salvador Perez and Alex Gordon. Does that sound familiar? First and third, down one, but nobody out. It should sound familiar because that's the exact same scenario we saw a couple nights ago or three nights ago at the K. Morales, Perez, and Gordon coming up with first and third and nobody out. So surely you're like, this time at least Kendrys will get a sack fly and most likely get a hit or a home run. I felt something good was going to happen there. But what happens? Just like he did the other night, Kendrys Morales strikes out on an awful at bat. Not as, not as awful as the other night, though. The other night was brutal where he took two fastballs down the middle and swung and missed at a ball a foot and a half out of the strike zone. It wasn't that bad. But then Salvi flies out. He did battle of a six-pitch AB. He flies out to very shallow right. The Royals don't run on J.D. Martinez as Chesler Cuthbert's runner at third. So you have a runner at second now, or runner at third, I mean, with two outs and first. First and third, two outs. And one thing, maybe I saw some tweets, people saying, well, why didn't Ned run for Chesler there? You brought Terrence Gore up, right? Well, yeah, but your backup third baseman right now primarily would probably be Hunter Dozier. I mean, Whit Merrifield obviously plays third base as well, but uh, Dozier, the guy who's primarily a third baseman, we haven't seen Merrifield play a lot of third at the major league level. So you're probably, uh, you know, and you've got Merrifield, at that point also, as a possibility later on for Mondesi. And Ned's got to think about that down the line as well. You're probably not running in the seventh inning for Chesler Cuthbert down one because you got to assume one of your guys is going to hit a fly ball deep enough or get a hit. I mean, Chesler is not slow either. He's league average, right? So I don't think that was the bad move by Ned. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't think you run for Cuthbert there, so I'm not too upset about that. So, yeah, but you've got two outs now runners at first and third. And then... The most mind-blowingly stupid base running of the season happens. I don't know whose idea this was. I don't know who didn't, you know, get the correct sign or who didn't, who misunderstood. I don't know if there was a sign. I don't know what the hell was going on out there. You know what happened? Eric Hosmer inexplicably takes off for second. That part's not too inexplicably because he had the base stolen, right? You keep going, he's safe. But for some unforsaken reason, he stops. Between first and second, with Chesler Cuthbert at third. You don't have Billy Hamilton at third. You don't have Jonathan Villar over there at third. You don't have Jose Altuve. You don't have Terrence Gore. You don't have Gerard Dyson. You don't even have Whit Merrifield. You have Chesler Cuthbert as league average as it gets over there, base running-wise, at third base. And Hosmer as league average to slightly below as it gets running over there at first. <laughs> what? Why would you stop and fall? Like... That's the kind of play we did in high school. When I played high school baseball, we had a sign for that where the guy at first runs because the catcher, you know, in, in high school, you're incapable. That play works probably half of the time in high school. If the catcher throws through, the runner from third comes home unless the second baseman or shortstop cuts way in front of the bag, right? You judge whether the shortstop or second baseman are coming in in front of the base. If they aren't, you take off for home and you score. If they are, you don't. Like That's like a high school player. That's like junior varsity because even at the varsity level, that probably doesn't work. <laughs> why would it work with Chesler Cuthbert running at third who by the way didn't even make much of an attempt to get off the bag that's the worst part like even when they went to tag Hosmer who was diving back in first Cuthbert was one step off of third what the hell was going on anyway so Alex Gordon didn't get a chance to even hit there with first and third I have no idea. Hosmer's in a rundown for about five seconds. Cuthbert never comes home. I don't know what the hell was going on. And Paula did come through the following inning, but that inning to me just shows you where KC has been these past few games. And that's and that's not their year. 
And it's not just that. There's a number of things. You had a runner at third with one out earlier in the game, couldn't get it in. You want to look at it a step further. The Royals put six on the board tonight. Only three were earned. The offense didn't do their job again. They didn't come up big enough again tonight, as they have it the past few nights. And as they have in a good majority of the season. The offense just hasn't been there for the Royals the good majority of the season. And we all know the culprits. We're not going to go over that again. We all know it's mainly injury, but there's also some guys who have underperformed, but we're not going to go over that. But there's other things, too. Defensively, Alcides Escobar makes that play out the bat of Miguel Cabrera that scored two runs in the ninth. Last year, he fields that ball. Even most nights this year, he feels that. It seems like just when I want to say Escobar's lost a half step and lost a tick on his range, he didn't have a couple of games where he looks like the same old Escobar. But overall, he's not consistently had the range he's had in the past. My eyes tell me that. I don't look at UZR or these zone defensive stats and you know the undeveloped and unproven and very unscientific defensive metrics. We don't have a real accurate way of analyzing that. I'm just talking about my eyes. I watch this team every single game. I've missed maybe three games the whole season, just like you have. And we both know Escobar is not quite the same player defensively as he's been. He's still making spectacular plays. He's still a very, very above-average shortstop. I don't know if I'd call him great defensively anymore, but he's still a very good defensive shortstop. No doubt about that. But I'm just saying, even in the past, he makes that play. Even many nights this year, he makes that play. It was just very awkward-looking, and it was just it was odd. There's been a number of balls like that this year that have just eluded him by inches that... It seemed to go under his glove, or he just doesn't quite get to. He doesn't doesn't seem to lay out as much anymore. I don't know what it, what it is exactly. I don't know if he's tired. I mean, he plays every damn day for the last, you know, five, six years. Danny Duffy establishes a new career high in innings, right around the 150 mark now on the nose. Did a great job battling, I thought, after four runs in the first three innings. Goes five and two-thirds, a four-run ball with eight Ks, thanks to Peter Moylan, who bails him out. Bases loaded with Ian Kinsler up there in the... Sixth inning with two outs after, again, an inexplicably defensive play. Ground ball to Hosmer. Looks like he wants to go to second. I mean, Duffy didn't really make a strong break off the mound to go over there to first off the bat of Eric Ibar to cover first and get the out there. But at the same time, Hosmer never appeared to really look at first. He looked at second first like he wanted to go there. So I think Duffy kind of just thought the inning was over. He'd throw to second. Still a brain fart on Duffy's part, but then the same thing for Escobar, who didn't make any move towards second, and then they got caught in no man's land. Luckily, it didn't hurt him as Peter Moylan came in one pitch, gets Ian Kensler and gets the Royals out of that sixth and preserves a four-run, five-and-two-inning game for Danny Duffy. And I sent out a tweet tonight, and it seems to be 75% of Royals fans are with me, 25% think I'm an idiot. But I think it's something that if you get to about three more starts from now, so you're sitting about about September 20th, right? Maybe you've got two starts left for Danny Duffy. And right about then, he's at 170 to 175 innings, right around then. He's already 25 above his career high. You know what? I think he'd be about 26, 27 innings above where he was last year at that point. Do you think about shutting him down if you're out of it and he's over 170 innings, knowing that he's the cornerstone of your starting rotation? You've got him signed one more year, a guy that you figure you're probably going to extend long-term, a guy who's already had Tommy John. Do you shut him down around 172 to 175, 170 right about then instead of letting him go 185, 190? I mean, you're going to want him to be ready to go 205 to 210 innings next year, obviously, when you count in the playoffs. Maybe even more than that. Maybe more like 220, 225. So there's an argument to be made that says, no, you just let him run to 180 to 190 because you want him to be able to go that far next year. But to me, it's like it's not worth it if you're out of it at that point. Just shut him down, and then next year, if you're in it, you know, in the in the playoffs, and you you can have him granted out at that point. If, it, if it's meaningful baseball, we're not having this conversation. But if the Royals don't have meaningful games at that point, I would at least consider shutting him down his last one or two starts 
of the season. It really hasn't quite looked totally like Danny Duffy. Tonight he did miss bats again. He struck out eight. But, and, and with that said, he's, his last two outings, he's faced two teams that murder left-handed pitching. Boston and Fenway is an awful matchup for any lefty. And, of course, the Tigers mash lefties as well. Two of the better offensive teams in all of baseball. Two of the top five. So, he's, so that's noted. And he was good tonight, really. I mean, overall, besides one inning, you know, struck out eight. But even with that said, I, I feel like his command has actually been fairly good the last five starts in all season. I feel like, though, maybe the stuff is down just a hair. I've wondered the last four or five starts if maybe he's starting to get a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of dead arm. I don't know. Just my eyes tell me that. I, I know the numbers aren't bad. He's having a, a phenomenal season. Up until the last five starts, had an outside shot at the Cy Young. I think the last few starts have probably put those to rest. But... I don't know, just something to think about. I just think there might be something to it as far as shutting him down for a start or two at the end if the Royals are out of it, and it appears they probably will be. I just don't think it's in the cards. I mean, you, you look at Lorenzo Kane now, missed two games in a row. You know, Wade Davis comes off and is now blowing games. You've got Hochaver out for the year, who's missed you know a couple of months this year. Moose has missed almost the whole season. You had Gordon miss a month and a half, and I don't think he was right for a good month, month and a half when he first came back. And Salvi is missed a week. And I mean, you just go on and on. You didn't have Vargas the whole year. Medlin pretty much didn't have him all year. It's just you've had injuries up to you-know-what. And then you've had just guys underperform. The big-time underperformers, of course, are guys like Omar Infante, Chris Young, some of those guys. And then, of course, offensively, you've had guys like Alex Gordon, who struggled the majority of the year, Lorenzo Cain, Morales struggled for a good portion of it. There's just guys up and down all over the team that are either injured, banged up, or not performing, or a combination of all two or three in most cases. But, you know what? The way I look at this is you can't win every single year. And this is the fourth straight year the Royals have played meaningful ball games into mid-September. You know, 2013, obviously, nearly made it. The last two years, you did. This year, you're technically going to be in it probably until the 13th or 15th at least, even if you, let's say even if you split the next two, which I think they will. I believe the Royals will probably lose two out of three in this series. But even if you do that, you still have an outside shot. So you're still playing meaningful ball into mid-September even this year. Even with all the injuries you've had and all the bad luck you've had this year. So I feel like the Royals have had just a great four-year run. And I think there's a fifth year to be had still that will be very fun and very exciting next year and probably the result we want next year. But probably not in the cards this year. But, you know, there's still a reason to enjoy this last month of the season, still watch it. Overall, my focus now is just to see the Royals stay healthy, continue to battle, you know, make sure you play over 500. I want to at least see the Royals get towards 84, 85 wins. That's probably where they'll end up, right about what Pakota put them out this year. Did they have an 84 this year? I think they did. Finally, they're going to be pretty much dead on probably with the Royals, although it took, you know, a boatload of injuries to get them there. So, I don't know. Uh, but to me now, the Royals have to win, obviously, these next two games or the fourth and 18 down eight becomes turnover on downs down eight with only one timeout on defense and two minutes left. You know, you're pretty much, you got to win these next two, you're done. You're probably already pretty much done. I'm just saying you still are at fourth and 18 where a two-point conversion can get you the win. The Royals still have an outside shot tonight. But if they lose one of these next two, they're pretty much done. If they lose both, they're done. You can stick a fork on them at that point because you ain't going to rattle off 
only lose five games, you know, <laughs> from that point forward. Not to mention the fact that at that point you'd have five teams ahead of you, and there's a pretty good chance one of those five teams will probably play 666 ball in the last three weeks of the season. Michael Fulmer, Yodona Ventura tomorrow. Fulmer, speaking of innings limit and speaking of struggling in recent weeks, has, has been just that. The Tigers have skipped him, have backed him up with, with off days. A talented rookie, 10 and 5, a 269. Against Ventura, nine to nine, a four three three. I like the Royals to get the job done tomorrow. Snap the three game losing streak. Daniel Norris ends in Volquez on Sunday. Norris two and two, a three eight six. Volquez ten and ten, a five zero one. I like the Tigers there. I, I don't think Volquez has much left in the tank right now. I don't know if he's worn out, if age is catching up. What's going on? I I just don't think he has it anymore. And and I've been thinking that for about five or six weeks. I just haven't said much about it. He was pretty obviously he was phenomenal last year. Royals don't win the World Series without Edson Volquez last year. What a what a teammate he's been. What what a great pitcher he's been for the Royals for the most part. Not talking trash about Edson Volquez. I will always love Edson Volquez. Always finally remember him the rest of my life. But I, I don't see it happening anymore with him. So I do like the Tigers on Sunday with Norris, who is quite the story and a guy you want to pull for when he's not facing the Royals, obviously, with what he's gone through. If you don't know the story, make sure you Google him and read about it. Anyway, that's it. We'll be back with you again this weekend on Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals. By the way, I will be talking to one of the top 10 Royals prospects later this weekend. Be publishing an interview as the minor league season concludes. We'll have a couple of more minor league guys on some of the top prospects. Talk to an executive or two in the organization before we get back into our off-season former player interviews. So three or four more current interviews during the month of September, and we'll get back sometime in October doing former player interviews weekly right here on Clubhouse Conversation. As always, at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter, Clubhouse Conversation on Facebook, and of course you can bookmark us here at clubhouseconversation.com and subscribe on iTunes. You can have all the downloads, all the episodes, and, and all the interviews downloaded right into your iTunes. Have a great night. Go Royals!